What I want to talk to you guys about tonight is God's plan for us and recognizing that he is for us. But before he's for us, he is for himself. And so let's get into it tonight. We need to get underneath a, a, a fair amount of um, what I would even dare to call religiosity or religion or mindsets or perspectives or thinking that you may already have because there's, there's one side of the spectrum that doesn't, even, that doesn't have a good context of God. They don't really know who God is. And so in being unfamiliar with God, they have all these like, you know, God is like Zeus with a thunderbolt and they're up there and he's like Santa Claus, right? He's like making a list. He's checking it twice, you know, who's naughty and nice, like that whole deal. And then there's the religious side of things where we have this idea of who God is, but it's a completely warped perspective of the reality of who God is. And so tonight we're going to do a very brief amount of deconstruction so that we can help construct a good idea because you can't genuinely wrap your head around God's plans for you until you understand God's true intentions with you. And I think some of us in life, man, how many guys have, you know, pastor brought me up to never, and I'm pastor's son, in case some of y'all miss it, I can't see anyone's face in here, but uh, pastor, my father brought me up, he brought me up with a mindset, never work for anybody. You know, like work for people, but eventually you want to be your own boss. Don't make someone else rich your whole life. Go out and if you're going to work, work to make yourself rich. So he brought me up that way. And so... We have to grab a hold of what God wants for us in our own personal life. And so in this deconstructing phase, so we, we have the religious crowd, we have those that don't really know God. And so what I want you to understand, though, is if you live long enough, you're going to bleed. How many guys have bled in life? Like you've experienced circumstances, you had all these things. And so what I was going to with pastor brought me up to not necessarily like make someone rich my whole life. So he was like, you need to have a five-year plan. You need to have a 10-year plan. How many of you guys ever sat down and tried to draw like a five-year plan, 10-year plan, right? How many of you guys got like six months into that bad boy and it was shot, right? <laughs> just like, throw that out the window. Teenagers, do it anyways, because that's what your guidance counselor is going to tell you. But anyways, just like <laughs> the, the plans, man, they get shot. And the reason why particularly when it comes to what we do with God that those plans never necessarily pan out is because we have a lot of great ideas about what we want to accomplish in life. I want to be known for this. I want to be great at that. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get my degree. After I get my degree, I'm going to go work for this place. When I go work for that place, it's going to give me this promotion. And when I get that promotion, I'm going to make all of this money that could cover the whole stage. And then I'm going to meet the person I'm going to marry. Right? <laughs> Not before the money, after the money, right? And so, like, only married folks understand. So, uh, but we have this plan. And if we're not careful, and though some of us have already done this, and we can look back over it, and we can see how God had an entirely different plan for us. Yes. And we're sitting here rolling out, man, we're putting all this effort. And listen, I'm not telling you not to have a plan. What I'm telling you is you better be ready for that plan to not only include God, but be directed by him as a captain. Because there's a lot of times he's going to steer around some icebergs that if it were you, you would just be the Titanic and try to rip right through that bad boy. <laughs> That's no issue, right? And so we want to talk to you about God's plan for 
your life because Ecclesiastes speaks of the day that you will wake up and you wish you weren't alive. And there are days that are going to come. Young people, there are days that are going to come. It cracks me up when young people like talk to me about some of their problems. I'm like, listen, man, that's not a problem. <laughs> like some of them genuinely have problems. But you know, like I broke out with my third girlfriend this month is not a problem, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I've been there, man. It's me and you. <laughs> so, but the problems are going to come. But Ecclesiastes talks about the day that we will wake up that we wish we weren't even alive. In other words, pain is going to be, pain is real. Pain is going to happen. Pain is going to knock on your door. There are going to come, there's going to come a day when you're going to look into the heavens and you're going to say, what are you doing up there? And so preparing for that, I want to give you this idea uh, that God has a plan for you. Psalm 23, let's get into it. The Lord is my shepherd. And if you've been saved for more than about a year and a half, you've got a coffee cup with this on the front of it, right? Or it was hanging over grandma's toilet or whatever, right? Maybe over the stove in your grandma's house. I don't know what, anyways. Psalm 23. And so, because what we want, what I want to introduce you to this idea of as we get into Psalm 23, I wanted to give you this before I read the rest of it, is that the danger is, so we have the, the unchurched, the dechurched, the unsaved, who are in this perspective that God is the Santa Claus figure, right? Make a lid, check it twice, don't strike me down. You know, that's the ones, if I walk into the church building, the roof's going to cave in or whatever, right? We all know one of those, right? Some of you, it was you, some of you, actually, <laughs> And then there's the religious crowd uh, or some of the charismatic movement or evangelical Christians who have this skewed perspective of God that uh, God is all about me, that God is for me above anything else, that God loves me above all things, that it's me and Christianity is about me, the Bible was written for me and all these things. And that is in fact just as dangerously tr uh, false as the first group that we talked about. So let's get into tonight his plans for you. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Man, that sounds like he's for me, right? The Lord's, he's my shepherd. I shall not want. And it doesn't mean I shouldn't want a shepherd. It's that I shall not want for anything. That God has my back. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Man, this sounds like God is for me, right? Everybody's with me? Nod your head yes. Hey, there you go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. So you can lie down in green pastures, or he can make you lie down in green pastures, right? But you're lying down in green pastures. <laughs> he leads me beside still waters, right? Which represents the peace of God and who he is in our life. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. And this is the part for his name's sake. And the thing that we have to grab a hold of when we're talking about God's plan for our life and what he wants to do in our life and who he wants to be in our life is we have to recognize that before God is me, before I am the apple of his eye, before I am adopted into his lineage, and before I am brought into the family, that God is one thing before he is anything. And I can tell you this, friends, it is not love. 
Not too long ago, I did a poll on Facebook. I just said, what is God before he's anything else? Grace, mercy, love, 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 love. God is holy before he's anything else. And so what I want you to understand is that it is for his namesake that you are alive. It is for his namesake that you are saved. It is for his namesake that you get all the blessings that come from God above. It is for his namesake that you experience trials. It is for his namesake that you go through pain. It is for his namesake that you look into the heavens and you scream because you don't know why God is doing this to you. It is for his namesake that he be known above all things. I sat down with a friend of mine, not just just the other day, he was telling me all the things he didn't like about where he was right now. And I said, yes, but it's because God will be glorified. And so many of us are finding ourselves in places, God, I don't understand. What are you doing? I don't understand why you're doing this because God will be glorified. Why are we, why am I struggling financially? How come I just lost my job? Because God will be glorified. How come uh, our marriage is going through the rocks right now? How come this is going on? Because God will be glorified. How come my son is, has a, a, a fatal disease? Why? Because God will be glorified. God will always put himself in a position that he will be glorified above all things. So why are you, why are you at where you're at right now? Because God will be glorified. And that's a real easy thing to try to communicate when you're like, you know, when a pastor communicates that and he's rolling in a Rolls Royce, going back to his 8,000 square foot home, it's like, sure, God will be glorified, right? Got six mil in the bank, God will be glorified. Shut up, okay? <laughs> but for those of us down here, we have to realize that the blessings that come from above are not just so that God will be glorified, but the pain that you endure tomorrow is so that God will be glorified. His plan for you. God's motivation behind his shepherding you, his provision for you, the momentary prosperity for you, his love for you, isn't because you're great, it's because he's great. So our culture is wrong. The motivation here is that God would be glorified. So the problem is, is our culture is wrong. So if you turn on like TBN, oh, we don't even have cable in our house anymore. But um, yeah, no, Netflix. Uh, anyways, but <laughs> scratch that off the CD. Um, well, we don't have, but the, the, one of the biggest problems um, is that we have so many pastors and preachers and teachers who have shifted the culture of what the Bible was meant for and what we are here for into some dream. We have taken the gospel and tried to convert it into the American dream that God wants for us. God's burning passion for you is not that you would be blessed beyond all measure and that you should have everything you want in life. And then if you don't get everything in life that you want to, you have the, every right to be upset with God. That's what culture tells you. That's not true. That's why I will always stand in the face of not prosperity, but the prosperity gospel and throw rocks at it all day long. Because Jesus didn't come so that you could be rich. Jesus came so that you could be saved. Yes. 
So God's burning desire is none of those things. Everything our culture tells us is that we are immeasurably valuable and we are everything and that we are varsity. We are God's hand. We are the greatest thing that ever lived. In fact, if anyone comes up to you and tells you you're not varsity, you're JV, it is a slap in your awesome face. And don't get me wrong, God created you in his image. So don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying either, that God hates you. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is before you're great, he's great. Yes. And before God's worried about what you want, he's worried about what he wants. And before God blesses you with the things you're praying for, he's going to ensure that the things you're praying for is going to give him glory above all things. So that tosses us around a little bit. I want to scroll through a few scriptures. Don't leave where you're at because I'm just going to blow through these. Isaiah 43, God created us for his glory. Isaiah 49, God called Israel for his glory. Psalm 106, God rescued Israel from Egypt for his glory. Romans 9, God raised up Pharaoh to show his power and glorify his name. God defeated Pharaoh at the Red Sea to show his glory. God spared Israel in the wilderness of, or for glory of his name in Ezekiel 20. 2 Samuel 7, God gave Israel victory in Canaan for the glory of his name. Now, in also, mind you, God even pauses here with Israel to remind Israel something that we need to keep in mind ourselves, that God is telling Israel, I'm not driving them out because you're awesome. So God wasn't like, hey, Israel, you're awesome. I'm going to help you out here. No, God even says it like you are stiff necked people. So you're stiff necked and you're rebellious. I'm going to do this for my name. See, if we were the Israelites, we'd be like, see, God just loves us so much. <laughs> Let's write a worship song called Drove Out of the Wilderness, right? No, it's for his name's sake. First Samuel 12, God did not cast away his people for the glory of his name. Note that we're going to come back to it. Ezekiel 36, God restored Israel from exile for the glory of his name. John 7, Jesus sought the glory of his father in all that he did. Matthew 5, 1 Peter 2, Jesus tells us to do good works for the glory of his name. John 14, Jesus answers prayer that God may be glorified. John 12, John 17, Jesus endures his final hours of suffering for the glory of God. Romans 3, God gave his son to vindicate the glory of his righteousness and vindicate Pausing right there, I want to unpack this for just a second. Talking about vindicate, is anyone ever bothered by the idea that God forgave David before Jesus hung on the cross? Has that set in on anyone's mind? This guy is sleeping with other dudes' wives, then having them killed. The last recorded words of David in the Bible is, I want that man's head on a platter. This is the guy after God's own heart. No gospel available for Jesus to remove the sins. So what do we look at? So how is it possible that David is a man after God's own heart with all of his flaws? Now, we also keep in mind that uh, David you know, played the heart, but he also uh, killed a lion with his bare hands. So there's that, Right? So you could sell out to him about playing the harp, but he could just tear you in half if he felt like it. <laughs> right? So, but what, what, what they're saying in Romans 3 is that Jesus died on the cross and that he's going to vindicate all of our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament. 
John 16, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son of Man. God is in fact commanding us to do all things to the glory of God. First Peter 4, serve in a way that will glorify him. Second Thessalonians 1, Jesus is coming again for the glory of God. John 17, Jesus' aim for us is that we would see his glory. Habakkuk 2, the earth would be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God like waters over the sea. Any of you guys been to the ocean lately? It's a lot of water over that sea. That it would cover like the water covers the sea, Romans 11, everything happens, everything that happens will renown to the glory of God. Revelation 21, in the new Jerusalem, the glory of God will replace the sun. And so, I mean, even thinking that through, like what is the sun for us? The sun gives us everything, right? Without the sun, we die. The glory is going to be the straight essential of life in eternity. So why do we as Christians continue to try to place ourselves into the most valuable position of God when God's glory remains untouched, immeasurable, and above all things? So we have to see One thing we have to realize is that the Bible is not the roadmap to life. It is a story of the redeeming power and plan of an almighty God. But if you're constantly reading the Bible and thinking that it's all about you, you will make yourself into the hero. And that's just not the case. See, we have to understand when we read our Bible that God is in fact the hero and his plan is one that restores us back into himself with a perfect yet necessary sacrifice. And so here's the deal. This is what happens if we're not careful and we adapt a religious mindset. Oh, goodness, we're trying to hurry. Okay, here's what, if we're not careful, this is what happens, right? We read the Bible and we're going through it, right? And we're like, man, I'm just going through some tough stuff right now. Ooh, look, the story of David and Goliath and who we automatically assume we are. (laughs) David, right? I'm gonna give you some rocks. A slingshot, we're taking this bad boy down, right? You wanna know who we are? We're the Israelites huddled up in a group on the side of the battlefield going, oh my God, we're gonna die. (laughs) Because we're not the hero. The gospel is not written so that we can be great, the gospel is written so that he can be great. Jonah and the whale. We like to picture ourselves as Jonah, right? We got a call from God. Let's get on the boat, right? We're, and if you don't know the story, Jonah gets a call from God. Go here. Jonah's like, ha, no. And he gets on the boat. He's trying to escape it. When he gets on the boat, storm comes, and everyone on the boat starts freaking out. And they're like, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? And so everyone in the boat starts crying out to their own God, right? That's what the word says. They cry, start crying out to their own God. And so Jonah's like, listen, what you got to do is you got to throw me overboard. Right? So we like, to, we like to picture ourselves as Jonah, right? We got a call from God, but we're going to run from it for a little while. And I hear pastors preaching, man, you got a call. And if you run from it, you're going to end up on a boat and swallowed by a fish or something. Anyway, so, but they, they put us in that position. Can I tell you something? We're not Jonah. Jesus is Jonah. 
sacrificing himself so that those in the boat could live. You want to know who we are? We're the fools in the boat. <laughs> Crying out to God's everything. Want me to prove it? Check this out. When things get bad, at, when things get financially bad for you and your family, what do you do? I can tell you what it usually doesn't include, going to church more. Right? Ah, oh, man, I'm going to start taking Sundays off, start taking Wednesdays off. I'm going to pick up extra shifts. I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. What were the people in the boat doing? They're crying out to everything that they think is God, trying to get it to stop what is happening to them. What do we do? We cry out and we reach out to everything that is God in our life, and we try to get that to help us get through instead of clinging to the one thing that can get us through. So we have to realize that the Bible is not written so that we can be the hero. The Bible is written so that we can see the hero. So the gospel, the Bible, Jesus becoming man, the Holy Spirit alive inside of us, the cross, the empty tomb, none of these things are about us, but all of these exist for us so that we can see the glory of God. Everyone say glory of God. They exist so that we can see God in his truest sense. But as long as you are trying to make yourself the hero of some sort of Bible story, you're missing the point. And the point is that Jesus is our hero. See, the Bible is not to describe us and how great we should be, but to reflect the goodness, the greatness, and the magnificence of an almighty God. So I want to give you three things very quickly tonight that I believe God wants you to know when you leave here. Because I probably just shattered half of your perspective of the Bible and God already. And if I did that, I'm not sorry whatsoever. <laughs> I think, but... I think this is healthy. Are you guys with me tonight? Yes. We, have to, we have to realign who God is. God is not Candyman or Santa Claus. He's a holy, righteous, he's ferociously high, right, uh, holy and righteous. And we have to understand what God wants to do in us. Speaking of, this is like the sampler platter of the discipleship class that starts in February. Um, so if you're going to be joining us in that, this is like the sprinkles on top. <laughs> so we got a lot to get into in that class, but hopefully you guys will come out to that and I didn't scare all of you off. It'll just be me saying it and Ashley Ladd. Anyway, so moving on. <laughs> Three things that God wants you to know. Number one, he wants you to know, and I think we've proved this already, he wants to be glorified in all things. So next time you're worried about your job, next time you're worried about your marriage, and it's okay to be worried about those things, you need to recognize who needs to be glorified above all things. That God would be glorified above all things, especially those things that look hopeless. See, it's not that God gets glory in the good things and then Satan gets cursed in the bad things. It's that God gets glory in all things. Number two, his plan for his plan for being glorified above, above all things includes you. And that's where it gets better, right? Everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> okay. Whew. Thought it was going to be one of those messages. You're all going to hell. No, that's not what we're talking about. God's plan for revealing his glory involves you. So here's the idea. We're, taking, we're, we're shifting where you're at a little bit, right? I'm the apple of God's eye. No, God is the apple of yours. All right? I want to be the hero. No, God is going to be the hero so that you can even read the story. Okay? 
then next, God's plan for his glory to be revealed is so that your marriage that looks hopeless can be restored so that he can be glorified in all things. So the job that looks like it's over can be restored so that he can be glorified in all things. So that the things that are not restored will cause you to get on your knees, seek the face of God and realize that he's glorified above all things. Because he's glorified above all things. And that plan that he would be glorified includes you. And if we can stop being so selfish for just a moment and finally let go, okay, fine, I'm not the all-star on the team. Jesus is. (laughs) Right? If we can let go of that, fine, God, you be the all-star. You be the great one. Let me just play my role. Let go of your five and 10 and 20 year plan. I'm not saying not to have one. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is be ready to let it go so that God can be glorified in your life. Walking away from $30,000 a year to come on staff at a church doesn't make a lot of sense. Thank God he blessed me with an amazing wife that halfway supported that decision. (laughs) I'm just kidding. She fully supported that decision. Our checkbook didn't support that decision. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense, but here's the deal. My life is not mine. When you say yes to Jesus, you're not saying yes to your best life now. No offense to J.O. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that's not the gospel. The gospel is I'm going to surrender my plan so that you would be glorified in all things. Number three, this is the last one. Number three is that he is for you. I know that just like sounds contradictory to the last 20 minutes of rambling that I've just been doing. So is he for me or is he not for me? I think he hates me. I don't know who I am. (laughs) No, 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 no. God is for you. I want you to know that God is for you. But the reason that God is for you is because God is for himself. See, God's not going to let you drown because letting you drown does not bring glory to his name. If he has revealed his grace to you, if he has brought you to a place of understanding so that you could see the magnificent power and accomplishment that Jesus brought to us through the cross, if you have seen that, then God is for you. And God is for you, therefore he's not gonna let you drown. Which brings us back to what we read a moment ago, 1 Samuel 12, is that God did not cast away his people for the glory of his name. No, no, no. God draws you close for the glory of his name. And so know tonight that God's desire for you is that you would be close to him. God's desire for you is that you would know him. God's desire for you is that you would continue to grow in a relationship with him. But it's not so that you can be great. It's so that he can be known as great. So that he can be glorified. So that he can be lifted up. And above all things, his name will be known throughout the earth. So people have been asking me, you know, how are you you staying so strong uh, with this thing with Jabin? And to be honest with you, I can't tell you that I really am. 
Maybe I just fake it better than other people. I don't know. But there is an internal peace that I have. Not with where I'm at, because I'm, I'm genuinely frustrated. Like, and I'll be straight up with you guys. I'm, there, have been, there are moments that I'm just mad at God. You know, like, he's not for me. But church, he's for me. There are times when the pain is too much to bear. But he's for me. There are times I don't understand, but he's for me. And there are times that I even question whether or not he loves me. But I remember that he's going to be glorified in all things. And if we can start thinking 10,000 years from now, when we're going to be in heaven, walking on streets of gold, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty for the rest of eternity, it makes what we endure now momentary affliction, as Paul said. Does it hurt? You bet it hurts. Is it frustrating? You bet it's frustrating. Do I still cry? You bet I cry. Do I still get angry? You bet I do. But guess what? God will be glorified in all things because he's holy and he's good and he loves us. All right, guys, go ahead and bow your heads. I want to pray for you tonight as we get ready to leave. And as we are closing out tonight, I want to quickly kind of bring something to your, well, I just want to pray for you because I, I believe we've semi-deconstructed <laughs> a few things in your head tonight. Hopefully we have. Or this was just 30 minutes of good rambling. I don't know. But what I want you to realize tonight is that some of you have been crying out to God. You've been wondering, what are you doing? Where, where are you at? I don't understand. I feel like I can't see you. I don't even know what's going on. Life is throwing curveballs, and you like have all you've you've convinced yourself that God's out of He's not even in control anymore. Like what what is who is God? I thought he was supposed to have all of this. I thought he's supposed to have my back. I thought he was supposed to, well, yeah, he does. But what you're going through right now in life, where you are, is so that God would be glorified. And so tonight, I just want to pray a prayer, and I'm even going to ask you to respond. But if part of this message is kind of touching where you are, you've, either you've convinced yourself that you're the all-star of the Bible and that it was written for you, and that, and that, uh, and telling yourself that you've been so frustrated with God because you can't figure out why He's letting you down, or maybe you just like you, you're just out of answers and you're tired. But tonight you're recognizing that no matter what you go through, no matter where you are, He's going to be glorified in all things. If that's you tonight. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I'm frustrated, man. I'm frustrated with life, frustrated with where I'm at. I'm angry. Let's pray for you guys. Father, we thank you for tonight. You're an amazing God. Father, it's not the bad news 
that we're not the all-star of the Bible. It's in fact the good news that we're not the all-star of the Bible because that makes room for Jesus to be the all-star of the Bible and what he accomplished on the cross is so much more than what we could accomplish within ourselves. Who he became, he became man. He is God that became man so that he could die to resurrect and let us see eternity. What an amazing God. Those of us that are going through hard places in life, we're going through struggles, we're going through pain, and we're, we're, we're confused. We don't understand what's going on. God, I pray that you would breathe a perfect peace into them, that you are going to be glorified above all things, that nothing has caught you off guard, nothing has caught you by surprise. In fact, you have predestined and preordered us to take the steps that we take so that you would be glorified in all things. So right now, if you raise your hand or you didn't raise your hand, but you're willing to say that right now. Matter of fact, church, just everyone stand to your feet. Before we leave tonight, I just feel that it's important, man, that we just, we acknowledge who God is. So just with your eyes closed, your hands lifted, we're literally gonna do this in like one minute or two minutes. I just want you to surrender to God right now. Surrender your frustrations. Surrender your aggravations. Some of you need to surrender control. Some of you guys have been locked into your 10 year plan so long, you forgot, oh, maybe God wants to do something with me. Right now with your own mouth, and I would even say with your own words, to some degree, just tell God right now, I surrender. Do with me what you will. My life is not my own anymore. I want you to take control. I pray that you give me peace in the midst of confusion. I pray that you give me joy in the midst of pain. But God, above all things, I pray tonight that you would be glorified. Jesus' name, amen, amen. Powerful. That's one of the best messages I've ever heard on the 23rd Psalm. I can tell you that. Hallelujah. I'm going to go preach that somewhere and say I heard a voice. <laughs> For any guests that are here, the pastor of this church does not have a Bentley or 8,000 square foot home. I leaned over Pastor Ryan. I said, I'm still waiting for that Bentley. I don't know. In case you didn't understand, that was not the pastor of this church. All right? But, uh, hey, we're going to let you go. But here's what I want. I want all of our 517 students to come up here real quick. Just quickly, with all that youth, I need that energy. Come on, quickly. Amen. Don't you appreciate these young people? Amen. You will. Just kind of spread on around and kind of, if you don't mind, just kind of come on around me right here. Then I want adults to come on around behind them, and we're going to pray. 
I want us to pray over our students. More are coming up still. Come on, students. Come on up and get in here with us. And I want us to pray out as Pastor Brad was closing there because, man, God's got world changers right here. How many believe that? I mean, they're going to change schools. They're going to change. They're, they're the hope of our community right now. And I want you to I want to pray over you tonight because I want you to go to your schools this week. You got seven days before next Wednesday night where you guys are going to rock it out in here on an evangelistic night for your teen friends. And I want you to go to your schools just in the next seven days, and I want you to tell us, I want you to bring as many of your friends here next Wednesday night because that's your night. That's your night. You're going to be in here having church, and there's going to be a message for your friends to meet Jesus. And how many would join me, and let's just believe to see these altars filled with young people finding Christ next Wednesday night. Come on, let's do that. Father, we pray over these young people right now. God, as we've heard a powerful word tonight, that it's not about us. It's all about you. Even all the good that you're bringing into our life, God, is still about you. And even the struggles, God, that we go through in life, that's about you too. For God, in it all, you're going to be glorified. And so, God, I pray over these young people that we love so much, God. We're so proud of them, Father. And I just want them to feel affirmed tonight, Father. I, I want them to feel the, the affirmation of a heavenly Father and of, the, of this church, God, and myself as a pastor, Lord. I, I want to affirm them tonight and let them know they're special, God. You've got destiny and purpose all over them, Father, that, God, you choose to be glorified in and through their life. And, and so, God, I pray over them and we pray over them tonight that, God, through this week, and God, the week to come, that God, they'll, they'll be a mouthpiece. They'll be your voice. That God, they'll speak to their friends. They'll not be ashamed. But God, they're going to declare who you are in their lives. And you're going to be glorified through them. That God, many of their friends are going to come to know you. And we thank you for that right now. In Jesus' name. God, I pray over every one of us as adults. God, I pray that you go with us through this week. That God will share the good news of Jesus. That, God, you're going to be glorified in and through our life. And, God, we thank you for it. We pray no harm come near our dwelling. But, God, we pray, Lord, that your name be lifted up in us, through us, and all that we do. And we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name.